Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. God bless you. Hey, it feels great in this room, doesn't it? Feels so good. I feel the presence of the Lord here. And I'm just, I'm excited about what I see and what I feel. To the South Campus, this is uh, just what a privilege to be here with you. And, uh, and to the North Campus, I'm just glad to be here with you and with everybody online. Thank you, Courageous Church, for letting us be a part all the way from Boise. Uh, it, we have people coming to town and they say Boise, and there's no, there's no Z in there. It's a, it's a C, even though it's an S. And so uh, just welcome. I, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, I'm with with my lovely wife, Kimberly, she's here with me. In fact, I've got a picture of, of my family. These are my, uh, my kids, my, my daughter, Sterling, my oldest son, Hollis, my uh, youngest son, Hudson, and my beautiful wife, Kimberly, and, uh, and we live in Boise. It's so good to be here. You know, your pastor has, uh, has been very important in my life. Uh, I just believe that God moves at the pace of relationships. If God's going to do something special in your life, he doesn't do it through a plan. He does it through a person. If God's going to take your business to the next level, he won't do it through a new strategy. He'll, he'll do it through a new person. If God's going to bring your marriage to the next level, it's, it's not by reading a marriage book. It's by getting around godly people that will take your marriage to the next level. And your pastor did that for me. He was a voice in my life when I needed him. And, and honestly, um, Pastor Tyler and Pastor Brene, it's, it's so wonderful to be around people. Pa pastors, uh, we, we sort of have this guard we always have up. We always, always have this guard up. But when pastors are around other pastors, that guard comes down and you get a, you get a C. And I've, I've seen your pastor with his guard down. And he's a faithful man. You know, my, my favorite verse in the scripture says, moreover, it is required of a servant that a man be found faithful. And I just, I just thank the Lord for pastors that have been in this city for 20-something years, faithful to what God is doing. Would you just stand and give your pastors honor for being faithful to the house of God? <clears throat> hey, I love these guys. That's right. That's right. It's not excessive and it's not wrong. It, it is right to honor someone who's faithful to what God has called them to do and, uh, and, not, and not moving on. I, I'm excited. I, I was excited when I saw the, the, the pre-roll because you're in a series on John. And um, I love the book of John. I love the book of John. In fact, today I'm, I'm going to be speaking out of John. You know, coming out of COVID, so many of us had this... Had this um, just kind of confusion about what, what's next. I know for me, I just felt so disillusioned about what I was, what I was going to experience, what I was going to do as a, as a pastor and, and, and where I was going to go. And I remember I was sitting in my office one day and, and, and one, of the, one of my staff came into the office. He said, hey, pastor, there's this, this man here that wants to see you. And I, and I said, all right, send him in. And, I, and at that point, I'd, I'd just been isolated from people and hadn't been around anybody for a while. And this 
this man walked into my office. Uh, he was a shorter guy. He, he w had clearly been struggling. He, he had tears just, just behind his eyelids as he came to me. And he sat down in my office and he, he said, I, I'm, I'm just struggling. He said, I, I've, I've been addicted to meth for, for like 15 years and it's affected my job. It's affected my marriage and I, I've been trying to hold it together. I've been trying to hide it from my wife, but I, I just cannot find hope and healing any longer. And I don't know what to do. And I remember in this season of life when I, when I just didn't know, I, I didn't know really what to do next. I remember it was so, I had so much clarity in that moment, sitting across a room from a man, praying with him for deliverance from addiction. I just want you to know today that you still serve the kind of God that delivers, that heals, and none of the things that have surprised you have taken him by surprise. The book of John says it like this in John chapter 5, verse 1. This is uh, this is one of the signs. Your pre-roll was about the signs. It's interesting. The book of John does not use the word miracles. It never uses the word miracle. It uses the word signs to describe the works of God. Uh, uh, because John is trying to point out something very particular. He, he's trying to teach us something very specific about God doing miracles. He's saying that when we, when we look to the works of God as only miracles, we can often get misaligned. We often think that really what we're looking for is God to do something miraculous and exciting. And John says, no, everything miraculous and exciting that God does is really a signpost pointing towards Jesus. And I just love this. This is in John chapter 5 where we see one of the signposts that points towards who Jesus is. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now, there, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Everybody say, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. These people were at a pool that its name was Bethesda, which means the house of mercy. It was a place of mercy. In fact, archaeologists have discovered this pool, Bethesda, and, and they've discovered that it was an escapolon or a, a Roman uh, place of mercy, like a place where people would send the disabled, a place where people would send those that need hospice care, and, and they would send them. In fact, painted on the walls are pictures of people being healed and nursed back to life. And, and the Bible tells us that in this pool that there were people that were blind, that were lame and that were paralyzed. They were in the right place to receive all that God had for their lives. And yet they had a limited experience of what God would do in their lives. You, you can be in the right place and not have a full experience of all that God would do in your life. It's just like yesterday, I, uh, your pastor took me to the, to the Lamberts, the home of the throat rolls. And, and they're, they're walking around pushing these carts and they're, and they're throwing, they're, they're giving the food and, the, and they're throwing the rolls and I was, I was having so much fun. I've never been in a place like that. It was like, it was like a, like a, like a, like a I don't know. I've never been somewhere like that before in my life. <clears throat> 
But he kept saying, oh, that, that's, the, that's the fried potatoes, or that's the, that's the, the, the tomatoes and macaroni. I, I don't understand it. But he... <clears throat> He said, you don't get those things until you get a plate. I didn't have a plate yet. He said, you can get the fried okra and you can get the throwed rolls, but until you get a plate, you can't get anything else. And so I was, I was in Lambert's with a limited experience. You know what I mean? It, it reminds me of growing up. So I'm, I'm, from, uh, I'm from Alaska and the Yukon in northern Canada. And um, you know how to tell if somebody's from Alaska? Don't worry about it. We're going to tell you. We're going to tell you. <clears throat> and... Um, and growing up, I, I grew up in the, in the Yukon. The Yukon's a really small uh, place as far as numbers of people. It's half the size of Alaska, so it's still bigger than Texas. 35,000 people in the entire space. Growing up, we would go on river hunting trips, and we'd go for two weeks and not see anyone else while we floated a river. It was amazing. For an introvert like me, it was amazing. And I remember we had these catalogs that were called Bass Pro Shops. And I would look through that catalog and I'd dream about all the amazing stuff they had in Bass Pro Shops. It was just this incredible thing. And, I, and then recently I saw these people with hats. I say, Bass, your worship, your worship guy had a hat with Bass Pro Shops. And I've, I've, I've not understood that. I'm like, that's a catalog. That's, a, that's just like a, like a, anybody remember Sears and Roebuck Wish Book? Like, that's, what, that's what Bass Pro Shops was to me. And yesterday I went into the glory. That is. Bass Pro Shops, like it's, it's a whole thing. It's an experience. It's wonderful. It's, just, it's amazing. I, I had a limited experience. I was in the right catalog, but I had a limited experience of what it could be. And, and this is the place that these people find themselves. They had a limited experience of what God could do in their life. They were blind. They had no vision, no image of what God could do in their lives. There were people who were lame, and, and they had some use of their body, but not all use. They had some ability, but they were limited in their ability, and there were people who were paralyzed, or they were frozen, completely frozen, incapable of accomplishing basic tasks. And I just believe that there are men and women, even in this church today, you've been in the right place with a limited experience. You've been in the right place looking for more, but if you were truly honest with yourself, you would say, I'm, I'm blind to what God wants to do in my life. Maybe I'm, I'm limited to what I can experience, or maybe I'm frozen, emotionally paralyzed, financially lame, relationally visionless, occupationally paralyzed, or maybe you are spiritually blind. I just, I just want to say today that you, you may have limited experience, but the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, is in the room today, and he is the answer. It goes on and it says this, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you, do you want to get well? I think it's interesting. It says he's, he's an invalid that's been there for 38 years. Other places in the book of John, it, it says that somebody has been this way since birth. So for some reason, the writer John is saying that this man had experienced life before his wound. He had experienced life before his 
pain. And, and, and this man for 38 years was trying to be made whole. For 38 years was trying to, to find himself in a place called the house of mercy, hoping that, that he would find some peace for his life. And yet he had a limited, he was, the, he was in the right place. He just was the wrong man. He was just the guy that never experienced full healing. And this man for 38 years never experienced the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the healing of God in his life. It, it, it truly doesn't matter how, how long things remain unchanged in your life. It, it doesn't matter how long your marriage has been struggling. It, it truly doesn't matter how long you've been just scraping your teeth across the ground financially. We serve the kind of God that in a moment can change everything. And out of everyone in that place, out of everyone who was in need, Jesus chose that man. He chose the wrong man. He chose the man that had been sick for 38 years. This was, this was uncommon that somebody would go to the least, that he would go to the one that needed the, the help, that, that hadn't experienced the help, and Jesus finds the one with, that is the least likely, the one that is the, 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 the lowest candidate, and Jesus says, I choose you. And I want you to know today that Jesus chooses you. And Jesus has this incredible way of, of moving somebody from the back of the line to the front of the line. He, he has this incredible way of taking, like for instance, our church, a small church meeting in a junior high cafeteria and blessing us with this 47,000 square foot building overnight free. Like I'm just, God has this way of taking what's least and making it first. And this man had been the wrong man in the right place for 38 years. And maybe that's been your story. You've been faithful to the house of God. You've been in church faithful for years, and yet there is still this area of your life that is blind, that is lame, that is paralyzed, just hoping that there would just be a, a little bit of reprieve and change. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is in the house. Jesus asks him, he says, do you, do you want to get well? What he's really saying, in, 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 what he's saying is this, do you want me to heal you? Like the nerve of that question, right? The, the nerve of the, like I, I've been here for 38 years. I've been, I've been wanting change. For you, you think I don't want change? You, you, you think I don't want some sort of reprieve in my life? For, for 38 years I've been faithful. Yes, I want change. What Jesus is asking him is, is do you want for you what I want for you? Are you satisfied with where you are? Are, are you satisfied with the limited experience in the right place? Or do you want the full experience in the right place? Because the truth is that the decisions needed for transformation in our life are less driven by faith and more driven by feelings. 
When, when our faith doesn't match our feelings, we'll make decisions that actually aren't based on faith. They're based on feelings. And so we get stuck in a cycle of following the way we feel about a situation. Like, like I, I, I know I need to pray, but I don't feel like praying. I have the faith that God does things, but I don't feel like I should pray. I, I, I know I need a better job, but I don't feel like working hard. I, I know I need to read God's word, but I don't feel like reading God's word. I, I know I need a touch from Jesus, but I don't feel like seeking Jesus. I'm just saying that there's a, there's a big difference between where our faith lies and where our feelings set us. And at the end of the day, every miracle we see in the New Testament includes a decision on the part of the receiver. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said, whatever he tells you to do, just, just do it. Like, that's good, that's good advice. When, when blind Bartimaeus knew Jesus was coming down the road, he made a decision to call out on Jesus, son of David, have, have mercy on me. When the, the woman with the issue of blood discovered that Jesus was in the room, she made a decision. I, I'm, I'm gonna step away from how I used to feel and I'm gonna follow after Jesus. I'm just gonna touch the hem of his garment. When the Syrophoenician woman wanted to see her daughter set free from an evil spirit. Jesus told her, he said, he called her a dog. Jesus revealed his biases to her. And she had a decision to either lean into how she felt or into what she believed. This, this man, he responds to Jesus in verse 7. He says, sir... I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus asked him if he wants to be made well, and the man doesn't respond to Jesus' question. The man answers a question Jesus is not asking. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And the man says, while I'm trying to get in and someone's trying to help me get in the water, everybody else experiences the goodness of God but me. This man had experienced discouragement from disappointment. Year after year, almost close enough to experience a breakthrough in his life, but never quite there. His hopes were up, but they became false hopes. They were dashed. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13 that hope, hope deferred or hope set aside, hope, hope that never lands, it makes the heart sick. There's, there's a psychological trauma that happens from years of, of hope that never lands of just hoping that you'd get a, an opportunity, of hoping you'd get one step forward. It's, it's just th this constant delay, and over the years, the disappointment piles up, and the expectation, the difference between the expectation and the reality creates this frustration inside of us. Just, God, if you're real, would you come through for me? Disappointment in the past becomes a discouragement in the future. In fact, I would say that people that are marked by discouragement have a, have a long line of disappointments in the past. 
This man was frustrated from a lack of help. He said, no one's there to help me. There's people there to help everybody else, but, but there's no one there to help me. It's, it's, it's like when, when everybody else moves to their new apartment, they got friends with trucks that show up. When, when I call them, all their trucks have canopies on them. You know, like, that's, that's a pro tip to any truck drivers. Get you a canopy on your truck and people stop asking you to move freezers. But he was frustrated from a lack of help. It, it wasn't that he didn't want to see his friends get healed. It wasn't that he didn't want to see his friends experience freedom in their life. He did. But the problem was he just didn't have anybody that had his back. Like he didn't have anybody that would walk with him through this situation. And without help, life is hard. Like it's, 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 it's hard when you're a single mom and you just don't have help. Like, like you're not asking for money. You're not asking for a lot. You just want some help. And if you could just get someone to walk beside you, it would make a world of difference. If there was just people there, just people that cared, it would make all the difference. And this man, he had discouragement over disappointment. He had frustration from lack of help. And he had regrets over missed moments. Times when he had opportunity, times when he saw his moment arrive and he missed his opportunity, missed moments. For 38 years, he was incarcerated by his sickness. Maybe for you, your missed moments look just like that. Maybe you have a period of time where you were incarcerated and you think, man, if I had just done things differently, I would have 10 extra years to do something with my life with. Or, or maybe I, if I had just got out of that, that career earlier, like I, I would be farther along in life. Just missed moments because of the situation. And Jesus responds to the man. The man doesn't even tell Jesus, yes, I want to be healed. But the man says, I don't have anybody. I'm frustrated because it never works. I just keep coming. I go to the small groups. I raise my hands during worship. I do it all, but it's not working. And Jesus' response is quite simple. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. I mean, imagine the nerve of Jesus telling a man that for 38 years has been laying beside a pool, just get up, just walk. Just, just get up and walk. But, but the truth is, is that anytime God asks you to do something, it will stir up an emotional well within you. Anytime God asks you to do something, it will prick a nerve inside of you. This is God asking Jonah to, to go save the Ninevites. It, it bothered Jonah emotionally. Like this is Naaman being told to dip in the Jordan River seven times. Naaman didn't want to dip in the river seven times. It was beneath him. It was below him. It pricked a nerve inside of him. This is Mordecai talking to Esther saying, God has chosen you for such a time as this. It pricked a nerve inside of Esther. Because Esther was a young girl whose life was not headed in the direction of living for God. In fact, she had been part of the world's worst version of The Bachelorette. And she won it. 
and she changed her name to Ishtar, the goddess of fertility, to win it. Okay, she was not living the way she was supposed to be living. And Mordecai says, maybe God, through all of the nonsense that you've been through in your life, maybe God brought you here for such a time as this. Maybe all those moments of regret, all those moments of missed opportunity, maybe God has you here for this moment. I'm sure it pricked a nerve. Can I just tell you that the creator of a thing knows the capacity of a thing? That your God will call you to do things that are, that are difficult for you, not because he wants to hurt you, but because he knows what you're capable of. He says, get up, and he tells this, 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 this man, he says, get up. You're about to do what you could not do before. You're, you're about to walk in a new space that you could not walk before. And this time it will be different. Where you failed because of your old friends, that they weren't enough, they weren't there for you, he says, get up. Where, where you failed because others had abandoned you, he says, get up. When the Lord looks at areas of your life that are failures and he says, just get up, move past that, let's, let's, let's get up. He's not telling you to just put it under a rug. He's saying, I'm gonna empower you to live an overcoming, abundant life. Get up, get up. And the Bible says that this, this man, he, he reaches down and he, he picks up his, his mat and he walks. I, I find it interesting that he, he, he grabs his mat. He had a thermarest, like a, like, a, like a backpacking mat he slapped on. And, and he says he, he takes the mat and he, he leaves. Why would he take his mat? By taking the mat, he's leaving an indicator. He's leaving a mark for everyone else around him that this place is no longer my home. Uh, that I'm, I have nowhere to return here. I'm not coming back to this place of paralysis. I'm gonna choose not just to get up, but I'm gonna pick up the things that hold me to this place and I'm gonna move forward into all that God has for me. I'm not gonna save a seat. I'm moving forward. It's incredible that Jesus heals this man, like, because this man doesn't have some sort of orthodox confession of faith. He, he doesn't know all the theologies. He doesn't have all the stuff fancy. He just says, like, I'm just going to do, he doesn't even make a confession. He just does what Jesus says, and he's healed. I, I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know your Bible memorized from one end to the other. You don't have to know all the doctrine. What you've got to do is be obedient to Jesus. Jesus Christ, and he'll heal you and set you free. He'll just set you free. You know, for me, this is, this is so important because I grew up in a tiny church. I grew up in a church of like 35 people on Easter. <laughs> and there was this old church mom, and her name was, I don't remember her name, actually. I don't even remember her name. This is northern Canada, and this, this, this old native mom, she would, we did prayer requests. Anybody been in a church that did prayer requests? That's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing to do. Um, and and it's, <laughs> you, get, you get a lot of weird things during prayer request time. And, and this, this mom would stand up during prayer requests every time, and she'd say, she'd say, pray for Andy. Pray for Andy. 
And I remember as a teenager, I would, I would kind of roll my eyes every time she would say, pray for Andy, because everybody knew Andy was not worth praying for. I mean, it had 35 people, the news had got around that Andy had been incarcerated as a teenager and had been broken out of jail as a teenager and then got incarcerated again as a teenager and then, and then got hooked on one drug and then another drug and then another drug. And at this point, he, he was living under a bridge in Vancouver, British Columbia, putting 20 hits of heroin in his arm a day making his money at the end of a knife at an ATM, renting an apartment with two prostitutes. Like, like it's nice that we pray for Andy, but we're just, we're really just consoling the mom. Because at this point, Andy's been in prison for 15 years of his life, and every other year of his life. He's, he's just not the guy that God's gonna do something in. Can I tell you that God does miracles in people that have been waiting a long time? Like God does powerful things in the lives of people who have been waiting for 38 years at a pool. Because this guy, Andy, who had tried every rehab program, he tried every, he had the people pray for him, he did the thing, he tried it all, none of it worked. And he found himself, he was walking down the street in Vancouver one day, and this little Asian man walks up to him and says, hey, can I pray with you? And it was just unique that Andy wasn't thinking, how can I rob you at this moment? And Andy says, yes. He says, you can pray for me. And this little Asian man reaches out and he just says, can I put my hand on you? He says, yes, you can put your hand on me. He puts his hand and he just says, God, would you take away all the effects of the drug from Andy so that he can think clearly and follow you? That's his prayer. No fancy prayer. Nothing, nothing amazing. Just a, just a prayer of God. Would you allow him to get up and take his mat and walk? And Andy thinks, that's cute, that's fun, sounds like my mom, she's always praying for me. He goes to his drug dealer, the drug dealer he always used, and when he gets there, he buys two things of, of heroin and he buys some, some, some joints and, and he goes back to his, his apartment room where he was staying and he, he takes the first needle and sticks it in his arm and when he sticks it in his arm, nothing happens. And Andy gets frustrated because he knows this is his regular dealer. This is not bad stuff. And so he takes a second hit, stuffs it in his arm, and squeezes that, that syringe closed. And when he does, nothing happens. He doesn't feel a thing. And at this point, he's, being, he, he's quite frustrated because he just wants to feel the reprieve of the, of the drugs in his body. And so he takes a joint, and he, he smokes the joint. And guess what? Nothing happens. And he smokes another one. And guess what? Nothing happens. And he's just frustrated. And he, he doesn't understand why is this happening? Why, why? And then he remembers there was a little Asian man on the side of the street that prayed for me. I tried rehab. I tried everything. I tried mama's prayers. But this little Asian man said, will you take away the effects of the drug? And Andy said, God, if you're doing something in me right now, I want everything you've got for my life. Andy ran. He told his friends. He said, I think God just delivered me from drugs. And he called his mom. He said, mom, I'm on my way home. And he flew all the way back up to the Yukon where I'm from and when he got to mom's house he, he discovered he still had no desire for drugs and Andy who had never graduated high school he went back and got his GED come on and Andy 
And Andy, who made his money with at the tip of a knife, he went back and he got his bachelor's degree in social work. And then Andy, who had never found love in his life, got married to a woman of God. And then Andy found himself getting a master's degree in social work. And Andy, who made his money with a tip of a knife under street bridges, putting 20 hits of heroin in his arm every day, was nominated by the Queen of England to become the Queen's ambassador to children in Canada. And the government paid him to fly all over the country into the villages to minister to little kids. And what they didn't realize is that this whole time Andy had been giving his life to Jesus. He'd been reading his Bible. And Andy had become a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he'd go into these villages and he'd baptize people because God can do incredible things with the wrong person in the right place. I'm, I'm just telling you that in, in this moment, it doesn't, if you've been searching for God for a long time and you feel like you're in a stalemate and you feel like you're just not getting anywhere in your walk with God, you feel like you're not getting any traction in the areas of life that paralyze you, we serve the kind of God that in a moment, in an unlikely prayer, in the right place, he can change everything in your life. That man that walked into my office during COVID was truly a bright light for me. Because as a pastor, I, I just struggled with the whole thing. Churches shut down, no interacting with people. And he was the first person I talked to in a long time in a ministry capacity. I'm watching a guy that was struggling with, with meth and, and he, he wasn't able to, to get his life squared away. And now every week on Wednesdays, he comes to the church and he gets a lawnmower. We, we were paying somebody to do it. He said, no, stop paying. He said, I just want to be a part of what God is doing here. I'm going to get the lawnmower. I'm going to mow the lawn. And so every Wednesday, he shows up and he mows the lawn and he does the hedges. And then just this past week, uh, the, the row of people he's been bringing to church, I noticed that two of the people, that, two of his friends from work that knew that he'd been addicted to, to meth, that, that knew that he'd been struggling, they've been coming to church and now they serve in our Sunday school. Like they're teaching kids about Jesus. Jesus, I'm just saying, what we need is not some new strategy. What we need is not some creative element. Church, you serve a God that is still alive. He's still faithful, and he's still in the healing business. What your friends really need is an encounter with God. Because the wrong person in the right place with Jesus and miracles can happen. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.